Our Old Testament reading today is from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. It can be found on page 602 on the Bibles that we provide and on page 118 in the children's Bibles. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He, is, he will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlines wait for his law. Thus says the God, our Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light of the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 45, and can be found on page 846 in the Bibles that we provide and on page 242 of the children's Bibles. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw that, he was indignant to them and said, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, and honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult must it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions in the age come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And they were on the road going to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief of priests and the scribes, 
and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one on the left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they they became indignant at James and John's. Jesus called to them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man not came to be served, but to serve, and give his life as ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. For our sermon passage, you can stay exactly where you are. Don't have to turn at all. We're going to continue reading in Mark's chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. It's on page 226 of the children's Bibles. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Father God, we do pray that you would add by your Holy Spirit the understanding that we need to understand your word and to apply it and to live it out because you alone have the words of eternal life, Father. So I pray that you would speak now to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus loved to give us pictures. He loved to give us stories. He loved to to go through the parables, the miracles, all these ways for us to truly be engaged in what he was doing. It's an important part of what he did and how he did it. And even as he inspired the Bible and inspired the gospels, even in the way that it was put together helps us to see a bigger story. For years, when I would read the Bible, I would read one small little thing. I would believe the chapter headings were somehow inspired by someone and I would read just that part. And I would get something out of it and it would be interesting. But the more that I've started to look at the greater context of passages, the more I've seen the amazing way that God uses all of his word to speak to us. And we're gonna see that here this morning because we're getting painted a picture. Now, yes, the chapter headings, verse things, all those were done later in time, not inspired. But where these stories fit and how these stories actually fit together in Mark chapter 10, I think is something that's really gonna be interesting for us 
today as we look at Jesus's last miracle before he goes to the cross. And you'll notice up there, kids, there's a word, juxtaposition. We try not to always use big words up here, but sometimes we just wanna look smart. So juxtaposition is the word for the day. Now, what does that mean? You have to have an understanding. I'm gonna give you a picture. Let's pretend, this thing fell back here, there we go. If I said the word football, in 99% of the world, this is what you think of. And in America, you think of this. And if I hold these two things up to you, a juxtaposition is showing you two things so you can see how they're different from each other. So I put these up, you go, they're different sizes, different shapes. They have different ways that you would use it. One, you actually use your foot and one you don't hardly kick at all, neither here nor there. But you've got this picture. That's what Jesus is doing. He's giving us a juxtaposition in some pictures and what he does here. There's gonna be three pictures for us to look at. The first one is gonna be Bartimaeus versus the rich young ruler. We wanna look at those two. We wanna hold them up against each other and see what we have to learn about ourselves, about Jesus. Then Jesus versus the crowd. And then last, Bartimaeus versus James and John. So I want us to be thinking, kids especially for y'all, think about this as you hear these pictures, hold them up against each other. See what we see, see what we learn. So let's start first with the rich young ruler. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us this guy had lots of possessions. He was rich, but only Luke tells us that he was a ruler, which means he was a man of great means and great power. And we see that he believes that about himself because he goes and approaches Jesus. And lots of people did, but a lot of people did not. You think about the woman who needed to be cleansed from bleeding for 12 years. She didn't feel worthy to go to Jesus. She goes just to grab his cloak. But the rich young ruler says, I mean, I'm a big deal. I'm important. Of course, Jesus wants to talk to me. So I'm gonna go before him. And he goes with this attitude of self-sufficiency. Jesus, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Because clearly it's on me. Clearly you don't have enough power. You can't do it enough. I've got to add something to it. I want to make you an add-on to all the other things that I'm doing to make myself look good. And then when Jesus says, keep the law, he says, oh yeah, I've always done that. Since I was young, I kept the law perfectly. We, in this century, we roll our eyes at him, right? We're like, oh, this guy, he just doesn't. I want to hide my eyes because that's me. I go to Jesus so often with all of my stuff together. Jesus, clearly I'm coming to you because you need me because I'm such a big deal because I'm so good, so important, so whatever that I need to come help you in what you're doing as if I could help in some way. That's how he approached Jesus. What can I do? And then when Jesus says, the only thing you can do is sell everything you've got and then come follow me. We're told he goes away sad. He had the whole world, had everything you could possibly want or imagine. And yet he did not have peace and yet it still kept him from Jesus. And then you have Bartimaeus. What we're told about him is he was a blind beggar, a rich young ruler versus a blind beggar beggar. And for us, it's hard to understand being blind in this context. 
Because we see these great success stories. We see people that know Braille. Some of you may know folks who've gone to special schools and they're integrated into society. Some of you love the music of Ray Charles or Stevie Wonder. And it's like, that didn't hold them back at all. But in this society, being blind meant you were basically like a piece of trash that was thrown out. No one thought anything of you. No one cared for you. You were left to sit on the side of the road and hope and pray for someone's kindness. To hope that someone cared enough about you to stop and say something or give you money. But in this context and in this culture, blindness was thought to be sin. One other time when Jesus heals a blind person, the Pharisees are asking him, says, who sinned, Jesus? What did this man sin or his parents sin? So for this guy, Bartimaeus, who sits by the side of the road, lonely, by himself, most of the words he hears are judgment. You did this. It's your sin that made you here. You're the reason you're blind. It's your fault. I don't know what you did to God, but this is what you deserve. Imagine that being your existence. That every day you sit hoping for kindness and yet feeling lonely and distraught and ashamed for something you have no control over. Nothing you can do about it. But as much as Bartimaeus says, eyes didn't work, his ears did. And he hears something going on. He hears a commotion. Luke tells us, he asks, he goes, what's going on? The people say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And what we find out is what he really believes about Jesus comes out. Because it says, immediately he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He calls amongst the crowd because he believes that Jesus is the Messiah. The term son of David, it points to the Messiah. It's why we read Isaiah 42. And what was one of the things that the Messiah would come to do? He would open the eyes of the blind. So Bartimaeus has a hope welling up within him. What are the chances that Jesus of Nazareth is about to pass by? He's clearly heard stories. He's heard from other people, other beggars, other crowds. Like this is my opportunity. And he cries out to him, son of David. And how we know this is a messianic claim. Mark only uses it one other time and Jesus says it about himself he's the son of David. And he calls and he cries out to him and he cries out for mercy. Have mercy on me. Where the rich young ruler felt like he could go up to God, the blind beggar knows I'm not worthy of that. He hopes that if I shout loud enough, maybe Jesus would come to me. Nothing to offer, lonely, afraid, ashamed. And when I was reading that this week, I found myself so embarrassed because so often I come to Jesus with my resume and not my needs. I come to Jesus with all the things that I've got together and the ways he should use me instead of saying, I am useless and hopeless without you, Lord. I come as the rich young ruler. I don't come as Bartimaeus. I don't come looking and longing for the deep needs that only he can meet and crying out to him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
The second picture that we've got is Jesus versus the crowds. So as Bartimaeus is calling out to Jesus to get his attention, the crowd does something very peculiar. It says they rebuke him and tell him to be silent. Rebuke is what someone in power does to someone who does not have power. A great example, we see that word used when Jesus calms the wind and the waves and calms the storm. It says he rebukes them because he had power over them. So this crowd feels like it has the power over this pitiful blind man and says, shut up, stop. And it points us to earlier in the chapter when these people were bringing their children to Jesus. They just wanted Jesus to touch them, just wanted Jesus to bless them. And what are the disciples? The disciples, the ones who know Jesus best, what do they do? They rebuke the parents. Because in that culture, at that time, children were useless. Until they could start working, until they could start earning, they weren't worth anything. So the disciples are saying, sorry, they're not worth his time. He's too important. He's too big of a deal. There's too many other things going on. And so he kept them at bay. The disciples are keeping these children from going to Jesus. In the same way, the crowd sees Bartimaeus that way. You're useless. Why would Jesus, Jesus is too big of a deal, too important, too many other things going on for him to waste his time with you. That's how they saw him. They made a value judgment that he was useless. He was useless. Now, part of the reason, we, let's, let's speculate for a moment. Typically, when a teacher was teaching, he would teach as he walks along the way. So one reason they would tell him to be quiet is some of them couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. Fine. The other part would be they're going somewhere. They're on their way to the Passover. They're in Jericho, 15 miles away from Jerusalem to go celebrate Passover when Jesus would die. They're on mission. They're moving. They're going they don't want Jesus to stop anymore. Can you imagine that for a minute? Can you imagine how hard it would be to get from point A to point B with Jesus? Like if you're in a hurry, I don't think he's someone you want to hang out with because there's always someone in need. He's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll stop and talk to you and on you. And on me. when I was a kid growing up, like I was, that was me and my dad in the mall. I felt like my dad knew everyone in Knoxville. So when I wanted to go get a new pair of tennis shoes, we're not talking like difficult things, just tennis shoes. We would stop like every second store. Oh, Andrew, and I'd like a meat market. Oh, look at him, he's so big, he's growing. Oh, it's like, can we just get to the Foot Locker? I see it, it's right there. Can we not just get there? Can you imagine that they're feeling that way? Like, Jesus, can we stop stopping? We've got time to make up. Or maybe even benefit of the doubt, calling Jesus the son of David that close to Jerusalem was dangerous. There are already people who've said they're gonna to try to kill Jesus. So to say that there in that place may have been scary for them. Whatever the reason the crowds had, they made a value judgment that Bartimaeus wasn't worth Jesus' time. He wasn't important enough, wasn't valuable enough. Jesus had things to do, places to go. What I love is that Jesus doesn't look at people the way that we do and the way the crowd does. What did Jesus say to the disciples? No, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And what does he do here? 
Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, the king of the universe, stops. We run through these really small words, which and he stops and he goes, do not miss this. The king of the universe stopped what he was doing for Bartimaeus. Nobody else, nothing else for one blind beggar. He stops for him. What he is saying to him is, you may not be able to see me, but I see you. You may not be able to hear me, but I hear you. And isn't that the cry of all of our hearts if we're really honest with ourselves? When you're at school, you want to be seen. When you're at work, you want to be seen. In your relationships, in your family, you want to be seen. In the things that you have tried to do so hard and worked so hard for, you want to be seen. We all long desperately to be seen by God. And he stops for a blind beggar. Don't miss the fact that he stops for you. I don't know what you think makes you unworthy or not good enough or God's too busy for me. He's got too many other things going on. It's just not, no. He stops for you. He recognizes where you are. And what does he do? He has Bartimaeus come to him and he listens and he talks and he gives him his undivided attention. The King of Kings the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the Almighty One stands face to face with a blind beggar and he says, you're valuable to me. You matter to me. You're important to me. Again, I found myself so convicted as I think about this because how often do I keep from Jesus the people who need him most? How often do I not see people the way that Jesus sees people? And when we, as God's people, ignore those who are needy around us, we are saying, in essence, you're not important enough for Jesus's time because we're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the body of Christ. So if we don't have the ability to give them time, what we're saying is, you know what? Sorry, you're just not important enough for Christ. He didn't have time for you. And how often do I go to Jesus desperate? What I love about Bartimaeus is he doesn't quit. He won't let anything or anyone stop him. Luke, when he gives us these words, the first one is call out. The second one is cry out. That when he was not being heard and he was told to shut up and he does not, he cries out with this emotional, desperate, guttural cry that I would bust your eardrums if I did it right now in front of you. It's the same word used of Peter when Peter walked on the water with Jesus and begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. It is the cry of someone that is so desperate. How often do I go to Jesus desperate? Or is he just one more thing, one additional thing in my life? I wanna encourage you this week to come to the missions conference for a million other reasons but come because you need and I need our eyes to be opened 
so I can see the need that's all around me in Knoxville and around the world. The people and the way that Jesus sees them so I can be a part of that. I wanna see people how Jesus sees them. So come and hear what God's up to around the world in that way. Last one, Bartimaeus versus James and John. Again, earlier up in the chapter, Jesus says, I'm gonna die. I'm, I'm told you over and over again, I'm gonna predict my death one more time. They don't get it over and over. And so James and John show that they don't get it and say, Jesus, we want something from you. And Jesus goes, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, we want you to put us on your right hand, on your left hand when you go to glory. Basically what we're saying is this, we want the places of biggest honor so when people see you and your kingdom, they see us. We want that kind of like front row seat to everything. So as you judge the world, they look, oh, James and John, they're kind of a big deal. It's this selfish, self-glorification kind of request. And Jesus responds by giving them this beautiful understanding of what servant leadership is. Whoever's first will be last. Son of man did not come to serve, but to be served. Not to serve, yes, not be served, but serve, backwards. Yeah, what I said, but say it backwards. Son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. He gives them that picture. So let's go back to Bartimaeus. As soon as they say, he's calling you. He's involved the crowd in this. The crowd's heart is now changed. Well, if Jesus thinks he's important, he must be important, call him. And it says he drops his cloak and comes immediately. And these little pictures, again, the Bible tells us and we miss it. His cloak was most likely the only thing in the world he owned. And it was what he would use to collect the money that people would give him when he begged. So when he throws off his cloak to go, he's basically saying, I'm done with my old life. I'm putting all my chips in the Jesus basket at this point in the game. This is all I've got. Because to people who have nothing, Jesus is worth everything. To people who have nothing, Jesus is worth everything. He comes before him, the audience of one, all these people crowded around and he is giving his undivided attention to a blind man. And instead of treating him like the exalted king that he is, how does he treat him? He treats him like he's Bartimaeus' servant. Why? Because he asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? It's a question of a servant, not a king. And it's the same question he asked James and John earlier in the chapter. What do you want me to do for you? And that's a lot to process if you're Bartimaeus. There's a lot of ways you can go. This guy is the creator of all things. I can ask a lot. But basically Jesus is saying, what do you think I can do for you? What do you believe about me really? Because you may say I'm the son of David. You may call it out in the crowds, but how you pray to me is gonna show what you really believe. And we have this sweet, tender moment between a blind man and Jesus. Bartimaeus says Rabboni. It's rabbi here, but it's Rabboni is the word in the Greek. It's used only one other time in scripture. It's used by Mary when she falls at Jesus' feet at the resurrection in the garden. And it means my master. So that word, that picture is he believes that God is both loving and powerful. And he says, Rabboni, I want to see. You understand what he risks now? He loses 
everything. He may gain his sight, but he's got to find a job. He's got to find a life. All he's done is sit by the side and have other people take care of him. This was much to lose. But he says, Rabboni, I want to see. And Matthew tells us that Jesus had great compassion on him. And he takes his hands and he touches his eyes. Can you imagine? It's the place he is most ashamed of in his life. It's his place of biggest disappointment and discouragement. It's the place of greatest sin in his mind, in his life. It's the worst part about him. And Jesus puts his hands on him. It says immediately he could see. Jesus is not afraid to touch the worst parts of who you think you are. He is not afraid to put his hands on the things that you think make you the worst or separated or ashamed. He comes as one who is both powerful and tender and loving, and he could see. He says, your faith has made you well. Your faith because he believed and had an unwavering belief that Jesus could do this. And he did. So that immediately he could see. And Jesus gives him an out. He says, go your way. You notice that? He says, go your way. Go do whatever you wanna do. You're now healed. You don't owe me anything. You go, live your life. How does Bartimaeus respond? Immediately, he followed Jesus. When we've been healed like that, there is no other response but then to follow Jesus. How often has Christ asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? And how have you answered that question? Where have you gone out in faith and asked for big things of the Lord because you trust and believe that he truly is the creator of all things, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, but he's also your master lovingly. He's close to you and he cares for you in a deep way. So Jesus has given us these pictures. As you think about yourself, do you find yourself more like Bartimaeus or the rich young ruler when you come to Jesus? When you see needy people around you, do you treat them more like Jesus or more like the crowd? And when you know that the king of the universe comes to you, do you act more like Bartimaeus or do you act more like James and John? He has given us these pictures that we might see ourselves, but more importantly, see him more clearly, that he is the son of David. He is the king of kings. He is the one who loves us. And this table is a picture of that as well. That if you put up a picture of the, the thief on the cross in Jesus, one hurls insults at Jesus and others, and one from the cross says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. One offers peace and forgiveness and wholeness. And this table reminds us of that, that he was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and yet the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all to make us whole. 
and to make us his. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the ways that you show us who we are and show us who you are. Father, forgive me for the ways that I wanna make it about myself and I wanna make it about my own power and my own strength, the ways I wanna give you my resume instead of my need, the ways I don't come desperate, the ways that I keep others from you by what I say and by what I do. Lord, thank you that there is grace and mercy for all that, that you still tenderly love us as your people in a deep way. Help us to be a people that respond to what you've done in showing our love for you and for others this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.